Ludlow Ventura County. You are listening live to Girls on the Air. We are Real Women in Real Estate AM 1590. KVTA, I'm Tracy Baldwin. And I'm Karen Campbell. We are brought to you by so many great sponsors out there. We love all of our sponsors and our great listeners. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And before I forget, let me wish my sister-in-law a very happy 70th birthday today. Oh, nice. Happy birthday, Verna. I hope you're listening. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So Real Women in Real Estate, I have my new listing. We have a, have a price... Um, Decrease, thank God. Well, six ninety nine, so we went down about twenty thousand oh, okay. dollars. So it's really, really good. Two two five Cinnamon Oak East End. It is the moderate income. It's a four bedroom, three bath, beautiful landscaping, um, some upgrades, wood floors. Very, very nice. It'll be open tomorrow from one to three. Awesome. Well, I too have a brand new listing. It's a four bedroom, three bath. It's a one story, and it is absolutely stunning, gorgeous. Been touched. Every single room has been touched. There's a fifty thousand um, dollar master bathroom uh, that has the most beautiful shower, sunken tub, TVs, everything you can think of in that master bathroom is amazing. Where are they going, the sellers? Um, he's going out of state, actually. Where? Which state? I, this is like everyone's moving I know. State. Everybody's moving out of state, right? Um, it's 1,846 square feet. It has RV parking. Uh, it has a basketball court in the backyard. It has absolutely fabulous entertainment. It is wired for Bose speakers. It uh, has a little playhouse for his daughter, uh, and that will stay. It's like a little house inside. It is absolutely adorable. And um, hardwood floors, and it, too, will be open tomorrow from 1 to 4, and that is the first open house. So How much? It is $1,125,000. It is five. 599 Hunter Street, okay. which is right up off of Bryn Mawr where really the post office desirable is. Desirable neighborhood, very Very nice. much so. Everything has been brand new. All the concrete, all the landscaping, everything is new. Very good. Yeah, very awesome. We have Dr. Mark Lepore on the phone for our weekly COVID update. Hi, doctor. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Hope you're not staying too busy. Uh, not too bad, um, although I think the hospitals are still getting a little bit busier. Mm-hmm. So locally, about 240 cases a day for the last two days. And just to remind folks, we were at five cases a day in late June. So really, things have gone a lot more um, with this Delta variant coming uh, coming here and spreading all across the country. Um, last week was 170 cases per day. There are uh, over 90 people in the hospital and the to me, the concerning part is uh, over 30 of them are in the intensive care unit. So people are, it sounds like, maybe getting sicker from this Delta variant as well. Um, the the news from last week, just to, to say it again, is that this uh, virus, the Delta variant, is almost as contagious as measles. It seems to be as contagious as chickenpox. So any one person with the, the virus can spread it to somewhere between five and nine people, uh, which is a lot more than initially was was seen, and now we're again at about 10,000 cases per day in California, where in early July we were less than 1,000. So um, still climbing here. Um, as far as nationwide, it seems to be climbing most in places where uh, vaccination rates are not as high as here. So Florida, Texas, um, Louisiana, Mississippi, I believe, are all getting really hit uh, and uh, hospitals there are full, turning away patients, ambulances sitting in, um, you know, outside of hospitals there. I don't think that's happening here yet, and the hope is that we're not going to get there. And if you're vaccinated, though, you should be okay, right? You can't still get this new Delta variant, can you? So um, the 
the Delta variant can infect people who have gotten vaccinated, but the chance of actually getting sick from it is very low if you've been fully vaccinated. So it really, that's what vaccines are supposed to do. They're not supposed to completely make you 100% immune, but they certainly decrease the amount of time that you're infectious. They decrease your symptoms um, and they are extremely safe. Um, And uh, really that is the biggest key of this. More than 90% of people who are hospitalized with the Delta variant with COVID right now are unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. So the best thing that we can do as individuals to protect the people that can't get vaccinated, such as my nine-year-old who's sitting in uh, this conference room with me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, The best thing that I could do is to get vaccinated fully so that I don't bring it home from work to her. Um, And then the same thing for, you know, first and second degree uh, folks bring it home to their uh, elder parents uh, or grandparents. Uh, There are still people who are getting sick and dying of uh, COVID, even if they're fully vaccinated, but most of those folks, it sounds like, are immune compromised. So transplant okay. patients, things like that. Um, but uh, what we are seeing with this Delta variant is that there are younger, younger and younger people getting hospitalized with COVID pneumonia. Uh, I've heard about teens, 20s, and 30s, uh, even in the past week. Um, so it's uh, definitely folks that are listening that are uh, in that younger age range, don't just think I'm going to be fine because there, um, there are people that are getting shocked all across the country by getting uh, younger and younger people getting sick from this. So, Mark, does it does it seem like these wearing a mask again, whether you're vaccinated or not, is that going to help the situation or because there's some resistance from people to do that? They're like, I got vaccinated. I did what everybody told me to do. And now you want me to wear a mask everywhere I go? Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of pushback against masks um, and people feel like they've been a yo-yo. And I totally understand that because early on with other variants that were not Delta, it seemed like probably folks were not as likely to be able to transmit it if they were vaccinated. But new data, again, that I talked about last week are that Delta, um, the Delta variant, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you have a thousand times more virus in your oropharynx and therefore you're much more likely to spread, even if you're vaccinated, uh, than the other prior um, versions of COVID. So um, the people that are vaccinated are less likely to get sick from it. They're probably not going to carry virus as long, but they're still likely to pass it to other people. So um, early on in the pandemic, I bought a T-shirt that said, my mask protects you. The mask is not completely going to protect yourself. There's some protection from where, for yourself for wearing your own mask, but really it's to protect others. It's to keep your germs to yourself. Um, and that uh, there's actually now data coming out. So Uh, Los Angeles County very early on mandated masks indoors or outdoors where you're in a mosh pit and there are a whole bunch of people around you. Um, They mandated masks. They had a 50% increase, 57% increase in cases two weeks ago, and now their increase was only 22% last week. So their feeling is perhaps this mask mandate is starting to work. It's really going to take more time to know if it definitely worked, but uh, they're kind of they were kind of ahead of the game and saying, look, we've seen places that have high vaccination rates, such as Great Britain and Israel. They're all getting hit with COVID um, because of this Delta variant and L.A. County were no different than those places. So let's mask up. And it actually really does 
make an impact on reducing transmission and uh, that makes other people safer. Well, and with everybody kind of getting on board with, you know, encouraging their employees and or mandating their employees to get vaccinated, uh, do you think that's going to solve the problem as well? Yeah, I think that's a that's been something that's come down even this week. Um, now there's a mandate that all healthcare workers get vaccinated by the end of September. And thinking back to when COVID started, a lot of the skilled nursing facility outbreaks and the assisted living outbreaks were were not from the uh, people living there passing it to each other. It was the healthcare workers bringing those um, infections in. So really, again, with this Delta being so contagious the best thing that anybody can do is to get vaccinated for themselves, not just not really for themselves, but really for the other people around them or the other people that they pass it to that would then pass it to somebody who's going to be susceptible um, either because they can't get the vaccine or their immune system was not good enough. So that the higher the vaccination rate, the, the less the virus has a chance to to be endemic in the area and overall the less burden of disease and the less people really honestly that die. When do you think all kids will be able to get vaccinated? I don't know exactly when those trials are going to be finished, but uh, certainly down to age 12 um, as of right now. So I think I'm uh, definitely keeping my ears open. I, I did hear this fall, perhaps it's going to go down to a lower age group, mm-hmm. but I'm not positive yet. Are all hospital staff vaccinated? Uh, the grand majority of hospital staff are vaccinated, but uh, again, prior to this mandate, there have, I think, been a few holdouts, um, and you, you'll see kind of uh, on the news folks that are, are really uh, touting their personal rights, um, and again, uh, at least the state of California has now mandated that healthcare workers get it for the safety of patients, and I think that really makes sense. And I think it's, it makes sense for people in large corporations who are around people all day to also have that happen, like Disney yeah. and Walmart and various other ones that have, have stepped up and decided that that's what they're going to mandate for their employees. I, uh, From a public health standpoint and from trying to get back to normal as soon as possible, I have to agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Dr. Mark, we appreciate everything you're doing for everybody. Thank you for all your hard work. Oh, my gosh. We're just so grateful that you are able to do that and that you are taking care of yourself so that you can take care of others. That's right. Thank you so much for having me and letting me, again, uh, spread the word about um, all the stuff going on out there. There's a lot of information out there, and I think trying to get to the bottom of it and sort through what's right and what's wrong is um, uh, makes the most sense, so I appreciate the the chance to talk about it. Very absolutely, good. hugs to the family. Yeah, absolutely. Same to you. Well, coming up, we have Larry Reyes from Smart Home Mortgage. He is going to talk about what's happening in the lending field because lots of changes have happened there too. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is John Syatt, president of Century 21 Everest, California. These are certainly uncertain times, and yet home is our refuge. It's our safe haven. Recognizing the importance of home ownership and the role that it plays in our community, Ventura County has deep real estate sales as essential. Buying and selling homes can be a very stressful process. We understand that. As a result, we have over 400 professionals in our community, and we've been in our community serving you for over 30 years, serving you, our neighbors. If you have any questions about real estate or the market or you need assistance, and buying or selling a home, visit our website at century21everest.com. You can find a home there or you can find an agent to help you with all of your needs. As a community, as neighbors, and as friends, we are here to help you. We're going to get through this together, so be safe and be healthy. 
Hi, I'm Larry Reyes with Smart Home Mortgage. My team and I are here to offer our clients and real estate partners more options and more products than any local bank or credit union. When others can't get the job done, we can. Finding you the right product at the lowest rate, at the lowest cost, is what we do. Our team is dedicated to closing loans in 30 days or less with excellent communication along the way. You can find us at the Large Tower in Oxnard, Morgan Stanley Building, 300 East Esplanade Drive, Suite 105. We're on the main floor. Or give us a call at 805 853 3030. Find us on the net, smarthomemortgage.net. Our licensing information is NMLS number 1569054. My individual NMLS number is 233573. Our California DRE number is 02012912. And my individual DRE number is 015070. The number you really need to remember is mine, 805-853-3030. Yes, you can still move, downsize to the right size, and do it all gently and, most importantly, safely, as many have throughout this pandemic with gentle transitions, California's moving magicians. Just give us a call at 800-619-3049. That's 800-619-3049. Or email EZMove at GentleTransitions.com and you're on your way to your new home. Welcome back, Ventura County. You are listening live to Girls on the Air. We are Real Women in Real Estate, AM 1590, KVTA. I'm Tracy Baldwin. And I'm Karen Campbell. And we have Larry Reyes with us from Smart Home Mortgage. He is the best lender that I know of. In the whole county. He does so much good work for so many people, and he can get things done that nobody else can get done. He just makes things so easy, you know? Hi, Larry. (laughs) Thank you, Larry. We can talk on and on and on about you, Larry. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) So tell us a little. Great. Tell everybody how things are going in the lending world. The lending world is moving quick. So lots lots of activity. We have lots of refinances still happening. Still a lot of purchase transactions uh, happening also. So lots of movement, good things. Refinance uh, rates for most people have come down. We had a uh, what's called a loan level pricing adjustment that was for refinance transactions go away. So what that means basically is there's no longer a charge to a rate for refinance. So People that were maybe getting, uh, let's say, for example, a 3% rate, now maybe getting 2.625, maybe 2.5%. Um, so rates have come down for refinances because they did remove that. They removed that fee that they had attached several months Before, ago, right? right? And they called it a low-level pricing adjustment, and that was just kind of a market uh, charge that they, they had, and now it's gone. So it really does help on the the interest rates for the refinances. Yeah. Are you starting to see appraisals come in a little bit low? We are. We are. We're still having difficulties with appraisals. Unfortunately, you know, everyone's really trying to push those values, and I get it. You know, values are definitely going up, and we are seeing a lot of, uh, you know, improvements to values, but appraisers are having a difficult time finding the comparable sales to, you know, to keep up with with some of these uh, large price increases. Yeah. yeah, I just had one that was two hundred thousand dollars short oh. on a million dollar property. 
And, you know, there was multiple offers. There was all kinds of people that wanted to make over full price offers on that house. And that does matter. So the appraiser right. did take that under consideration, but still came in $200,000 so They could make, right. There's only so much adjustments they can make. And even if the appraiser did you a, a wonderful favor and brought it in at value, what happens is, is that appraiser appraisal goes over to the underwriter into the bank, and they review the appraisal. And they say, well, you know, you're making adjustments that are really not, uh, you know, supported. Right. And so even if we have an appraiser try to do us a wonderful favor and bring the values in because there are multiple offers and there are people willing to pay uh, these prices that are, you know, more than what the values of the homes are, but the appraisers can't support that value. If there's no comparable sales in the neighborhood that, that you know, he can uh, adjust to, you know, it's just really unfortunate, but the, the value will get cut. Yeah. How do you challenge an appraisal? That's a great question. Challenging an appraisal is very difficult. So let's let's remember what an appraisal is. An appraisal is an opinion of value by a licensed person to make that opinion of value. So the word opinion of value, opinion, is really the key there. So when we have an appraiser, a licensed appraiser that's licensed to give us an opinion of value, say the value is, you know, 700000 even if another appraiser says, well, my opinion of value is seven fifty, there's really no argument there that we can do because if our appraiser's opinion of value is licensed opinion to give us seven hundred, it is what it is. Right. So it's unfortunate, but we can't. We can definitely always try to, to challenge an appraisal, but again, the appraiser's always going to fall back on. Well, this is my opinion. opinion of value. And so that's why we, we rarely see appraisals change when we do these uh, challenges. You know, it, no one ever wants to admit that they did something wrong. Well, yeah. And, and that's they're, basically, they're offended. they're offended. And that's basically how they feel when we try to challenge it. So it's like, you know, hey, Tracy, thank you for doing this appraisal. But you know what? We think you screwed up. Mm-hmm. We think the value is this. And right. so now they're going to do everything possible to not bring that value in at what you want and to support the lower value because they're insulted. Absolutely. And well, so so challenging an appraisal is very difficult. It's very rare to see changes on that. Um, you know, unless, you know, like I said, unless maybe the uh, the agents or the seller or the buyers know the appraiser and can have, a, you know, an actual physical conversation with them and really try to have a heart-to-heart to see uh, if they can possibly change the value. I mean, but doing something on a piece of paper and sending it into to the appraisal management company and, and, and challenging it is very unlikely to see a change. Very rare, huh? Right. Well, and the other thing, too, is they, they have to put all of the economic factors. They have to put yes. everything about what's going on, what the trends are. They have yes. to fill out several forms that have to be that have to be accurate Based yeah. on how he came up with that value. Correct. Does an appraisal Correct. stick with the property, though? Let's say, you know, the buyer walks because it didn't appraise, right? So the net backup buyer comes in, and the backup right. buyer's full price for your $200,000 low, right? So right. D- does the new appraisal appraiser look at the old appraisal? Only, okay, so no. The, the answer is no. They don't, they don't see the old appraisal. 
unless it's an FHA or a VA transaction. An FHA and a VA transaction, the appraiser, uh, the appraisal is logged into uh, a system that the underwriters see. And so when that happens, that appraisal stays in the system for 90 to 120 days. So any new appraisal that would happen, unfortunately, would be invalid, and they would have to use that original appraisal. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, right. Unless – so here's how people get away with it. And, and I'll say – People, people like me, <laughs> you know, more when you're trying brokers, to do that loan that no one else can do, right? <laughs> that no one else can do. So let's say, for example, you know, Tracy, we get a transaction together and the house again is 700,000. We get the appraisal back and it's 650 and it's an FHA. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, $50,000 off. The seller's not going to take that. The buyer's not going to come up with 50 grand. What do we do? And we know that we're not going to win this, uh, this, you know, uh, challenge of an appraisal. So I, as a loan officer, need to immediately, immediately cancel the loan. Okay. Cancel the loan as fast as possible. Okay. I need to jump into the system and say, hey, the buyer's backed out. We, we cancel. And so that the underwriter doesn't take her time to go in and log the appraisal. Oh, okay. Okay. So they don't want, no underwriter, no bank wants to work on a file that's been canceled. They're okay. too busy. Okay. So if your loan officer is savvy and fast enough to get this thing canceled before the underwriter touches it, you may not get this appraisal logged. Oh, very good. Okay. So then you say, okay, I'm going to leave, you know, Wells Fargo, and I'm going to send it over to, you know, uh, Chase and do a whole new appraisal with them and hope to God the value comes in. <laughs> yeah, for the so second the time. But does the- again. Because, again, remember, an appraisal is an opinion of value. And so if they can get another appraiser out there that feels the value is truly 700 and feels that he can support it, most of the time the underwriter is going to go with that, you know, unless there's, you know, blatantly wrong and no comps at all and the adjustments are way out of whack. You know, so things like that can be done as long as your, you know, loan officer is uh, quick. Larry Reyes. Savvy. <laughs> right, Exactly. So a little secret of the trade, that's what we do. You know, unfortunately, again, that's why you want to work with someone like myself, a mortgage broker, because if you go to a retail bank or even a direct lender like some of our, uh, you know, everybody thinks direct lenders are wonderful, and, and there's a lot of benefits to it. But the downside to it is if that was to happen to them, unfortunately, they can't cancel it and move it to a different bank. They don't have that ability to do that. So that's something that we are able to go, oh, stop, stop the process with this bank. Forget it. Sorry, we cancel and move it to somewhere else. Does the buyer pay for the second appraisal, though? Well, you know, that's kind of up to your loan officer. Do yeah. I make them do that? No, I don't. But, you know, some of these loan officers might. Right. Okay. Exactly. You are so wonderful. My gosh. So there's so many there's so many things right now that because everybody is paying over full price right. and because full price is, again, over full price before you right. even start, it makes right. it very, very difficult to be able to Ooh. comp that property so that, it, it that really you can get does. along. That's probably one of our biggest struggles right now in purchase transactions right now has to be the appraisal and the values of homes. It's, it's got to be our largest struggle that we're seeing in the in the mortgage business. I would say that nine out of ten purchase transactions right now, and I know this sounds outrageous, but it's true, nine out of ten purchase transactions that we're doing right now, our buyers are coming up 
and bringing in additional funds yeah. over the appraised value. Wow. Absolutely. Nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just the appraisers can't keep up. The, the, <laughs> the market is, is moving fast, but it can't, it can't go that fast. And, and so, unfortunately, buyers are having to come up with additional funds. They're getting funds from, you know, retirement accounts, parents, friends, you know, just to make up that additional 10000 or or 15000 or 20000 I had one that was 80000 oh, $80,000 off, and they actually paid it. Oh, my gosh. You know, and who am I to say, you know, that, great, they want to do it. They they wanted their home. They've been looking for a long time. You know, it was their dream house, and it was $80,000 off, oh and the seller Lord. holds. Yeah, and the seller held tight and said, sorry, you don't want it. I'll sell it to somebody else. And so they came up with the funds. Wow. Yeah, we we'll see it. What can we as agents do to help with the appraisal? You know, I, that's a great thing. And unfortunately, the appraisers are getting, um, I would like to say maybe the word a little bit bitter, a little angry, a little frustrated right now because they're getting a lot of heat mm-hmm. because of, you know, the values moving and they're not really having the ability to support them. So... I usually have uh, recommend my my agents to be there when the appraiser's there. Make sure the appraiser is really truly doing their job. Give them the comps that you feel are are truly good comps, and talking to them about the upgrades that the home has because these appraisers don't know. Yeah, you know your seller. Trust me. I mean, we all know the sellers are like, oh, Tracy, look at I did this and yes. I redid this, and, I, and you know all the updates. Right. Well, the the appraisers don't know that. So usually I'm like, you know, have the listing agent there, have them really showcase the house and mention all of the upgrades and really give them a a set of comps that they were using when they priced the home. Um, But that usually right now I'm I'm, I'm getting I'm getting agents telling me the appraiser specifically dodged them and went at a different time (laughs) to go appraise the property. Or they come really early. They come like 10 minutes early. So when you get there, you know, at noon, they're they're gone. gone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So they're they're, they're not wanting to talk to anyone because they're getting so much heat. So, yeah, it's just a crazy market we're in. It is a crazy market, and it's going to be here for a while. So It is going to be here for a while. You know, one of the good things I can say is someone looking to – refinance their property, um, get rid of the PMI, uh, things like that. Those are happening so smoothly um, because, again, we are receiving appraisal waivers on a lot of the refinance transactions, and the appraisal waivers are coming from sold homes. So, obviously, as we know, these homes are selling for more than you know what the initial values were. So, we're getting appraisal waivers on so many refinance transactions and and people are able to remove that PMI and really save quite a bit of money on their payment. That's great. That's awesome. Well, tell everybody where they can find you, Larry, because you're amazing and everybody needs you. (laughs) Thank you so much. They can find me at the Tower in Oxford, the large tower, Morgan Stanley Building. I'm at 300 Esplanade Drive, Suite 105. My number is 805-853-3030. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Okay. Well, coming up, we have a great guest coming on the show. He owns a nonprofit called Counting Coral, and he's going to tell us all about that. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Pat from Pothia Hypnotherapy, and I'm located right here in Ventura County. Just open a newspaper, watch TV, or even get on social media, and you can see all the negative things that affect our lives. 
In my practice, we focus on the positive. We want to assist you to be the very best that you can be, to live your best life ever. I offer a variety of services under my three main programs of diet-free life, weight management, smoking sensation, and overcoming trauma. See, we all have something that holds us back. I can be reached through my website, pathiahypnotherapy.com, or call myself, 818-468-0777. We all deserve happiness, peacefulness, and love in our lives. Call me. Again, that phone number, 818-468-0777. We have many homes in life, the homes we live in, the homes we visit, the homes we dream about, and sometimes home, well, it's just a feeling. At Sugarbug Orthodontics, they are on the cutting edge of oral care technology. Sugarbug offers a variety of services for you and your family's orthodontic needs. Invisalign, digital x-rays, interceptive ortho, all while making you feel at home. Sugarbug Orthodontics, welcome home. Parker's getting her braces there. We will follow her progress. Give them a call, 805-985-2400. That's 805-985-2400. This is the most dangerous year for landlords in U.S. history. On January 1st, 24 new bills came into effect, putting landlords right here in Ventura in jeopardy of jail time, massive fines, and losing their homes. COVID-19 made it worse. I'm Janet with Romatic Property Management. If you haven't made massive changes to the way you treat your investment this year, we need to talk. Don't be a statistic. Schedule your consultation today at formaticpropertymanagement.com forward slash Ventura. That's formaticpropertymanagement.com forward slash Ventura. Well, back Ventura County, you are listening live to Girls on the Air. We are Real Women in Real Estate, AM 1590, KVTA. I'm Tracy Baldwin. And I'm Karen Campbell. And we're real excited to have, how am I saying it? Jolien. 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 With us. He is the owner of Counting Coral. He is a conservatist. He's a craftsman, an artist, a philanthropist. And he is trying to grow uh, coral species in attempt to save these amazing animals. So tell us all animals. about Coral this. Animals. It's very interesting. Coral animals, yeah. Yeah, so we're a 501c3 nonprofit, okay. and we uh, design, build, and donate uh, marine sculptural parks, essentially, to grow coral on them. And we harvest these very rare species of coral. So let me just rewind a second. So we're in the manufacturing process of 109 sculptures just in Malibu here. We're waiting to ship. Once we get to ship, we're going to send these sculptures to Fiji, sink them into the ocean in between Plantation Island Resort and Malolo Reef. And we're going to set them out into this really nice, uh, beautiful, um, designed underwater sculptural marine park. Then we go and harvest very rare species of coral. Well, actually, we don't go and harvest them they've already been harvested and they're kind of growing for us but typically that's what ends up happening is we would go and get this rare coral species plant them onto our sculptures and hopefully they grow to maturity and spawn and naturally propagate ecosystems with this somewhat genetically superior coral because when coral reefs die they die in vast numbers and obviously a few of them survive and those few are pretty rare because soon as all their friends die around them that's the food source for fish essentially and sea slugs and snails and starfish so these predators now go after this one surviving or ten surviving rare coral so we got to get to that coral before those guys do because because they're very, very rare. 
uh, they've survived this major bleaching event, which is essentially coral die-off. So when you hear the word bleaching event, that's uh, the indication of coral death. Uh, so we go and get that, that coral as, as quickly as we can, put it on the sculptures, and get it in a protected environment to save these animals. I thought coral was a like, plant. No? Coral is an animal. There's actually, It's actually a living Plant. What do you want to call it an no. organism? No. Well, you wouldn't be mistaken if you thought it was a plant, uh, a rock, or an animal, because they're essentially both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they have this exoskeleton. There's two types of coral, uh, a hard coral and a soft coral. So the hard coral is made up of calcium carbonate or agronite, and within it lives an algae, which is essentially the animal part of it, and then the coral itself has many many mouths on it and that's also part of that animal and they're called polyps so it has thousands of mouths that catch food but also has a symbiotic relationship with algae that supports uh, their structure and their life by photosynthesis so this algae photosynthesizes creates energy the coral feed on it and they have this wonderful little relationship how did you get into this I'm an ocean lover, surfer, diver, used to be in Fiji a lot, um, you know, I used to be a videographer for surfers, so I would be in the water, you know, just filming a lot, and in Fiji the waves are massive and very dangerous, so tourists would think, yeah, I'm going to go surf in Fiji, this is fun, and they get in the water and they're like, oh, back off, wait there, you know, take a bit of time, so a lot of my time was spent with a camera in the water, and I'd be filming the reefs, filming sharks and dolphins and, you know, turtles and all these beautiful fish. And then you see the coral reefs die in front of, in front of your face over periods of time. Because so I used to spend a lot of time going back and forth from Fiji. Mm-hmm. So I'd film the same reefs. And then you see them die, come back, die and not come back. And then that was just, uh, you know, terrifying to me as a, as a you know as an individual that loves coral reefs and oceans and fish and diving and stuff like that. Where are you from? England originally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so why do you think the coral is dying? Is the coral dying because of temperatures rising or because just the ecosystem just goes away or what what's the situation there? So it is global warming. So as we pump carbon into the atmosphere, mm-hmm. it heats the planet. We've all heard of global warming. Uh, we've all heard of the greenhouse effect, effect, right? So these gases and chemicals go into the atmosphere, raise the temperature of our atmosphere. So days get hotter as we witness fires and stuff like that. But what a lot of people don't understand is the ocean absorbs 93% of that atmospheric heat. So the oceans are now heating up. And your typical equatorial coral colonies can only survive in 75 to 85 degree water. So as soon as that temperature of the ocean goes up past that, it starts to stress, and that is what's called coral bleaching. Because as we spoke about earlier, it has this little symbiotic relationship with the algae. Well, as the ocean temperatures get hotter and hotter, the algae thinks the coral's getting sick, goes away from the coral, and then the coral is essentially starving to death, which is obviously horrible to think about. But that's happening all over the globe in a terrifying number. So since the 70s to now, in just 50 years, we've lost half of all our coral colonies on the planet. Now, that realistically only just happened since the 90s. We've known about coral bleaching and coral death since the 70s, but it only really uh, happened in a large scale in 1993. Fast forward to 
2015, 17, 19, 20, 21. It's continually happening at more alarming rates, almost annually now. So we're destined to lose our coral in another 30 years, which is, again, equally terrifying if we lose all the coral reefs on our planet. Uh, it becomes a humanitarian issue because 25% of the population on the planet survives solely or in, uh, directly or indirectly on coral reefs, believe it or not. So fascinating. You know what, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to ask you what you're going to do to fix that problem. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Opa! You don't have to travel to Greece to enjoy the food, dancing, music, and culture. The Greek Ventura has it all. Healthy, traditional Mediterranean foods, fresh, daily seafood, succulent steaks, cozy up at the fire pit on our newly remodeled patio, open daily for lunch and dinner, brunch on the weekends, extended happy hour from Monday to Friday, 2 to 9 p.m., all overlooking picturesque Ventura Harbor, where the parking is always free. Go to thegreekventura.com. Opa! Worried about the impact of estate taxes, long-term health care, lawsuits, creditors, or probate on your assets and family? Interested in making sure your final wishes are followed? This is Rick Siegenfeld of Siege Law, and we are here to help you with all your asset protection, trust administration, estate and Medi-Cal planning needs. For a complimentary consult, give us a call at 805-250-1930 or email us at contact at seigelaw.com. Again, 805-250-1930. My daughter is almost a teenager, and let me tell you, Billy Clower's Dance Company in Ventura has changed our lives. Kids, put the phone down. Start dancing. Parker is taking jazz, acro, contemporary ballet, and now competitive cheer. During the pandemic, they're dancing outside. There are classes available for boys, girls, and adults. Go to BillyClower.com, mention Girls on the Air, and get a discount. That's BillyClower.com. Get ready for an island paradise at Ventiki Lounge in Lanai, located in beautiful downtown Ventura. Ventiki features the best in traditional cocktails, modern tiki drinks, Polynesian-inspired cuisine, and even sushi. As soon as you step onto the Lanai, you'll feel the warmth of the islands with our tiki waterfall, wahine mural flower garden, hand-carved tikis, and a fire pit for those chilly island nights. As you listen to the music of the islands, you will love our famous Kalua pork sliders, Sabu coconut chicken, or a trio of sautéed tiger prawns atop sushi rice towers with a mango curry blanc. And we'll always have our classic Mai Tais using the original 1944 recipe the best in town. So take a break and head down to Ventiki. We're located at 701 East Main Street on the corner of 1st Street and Main Street. Give us a call at 805-667-8887 or find us on the web at VentikiLoungeInLanai.com for our full menu. Ventiki, an island oasis in Ventura. Welcome back, Ventura County. You are listening live to Girls on the Air. We are Real Women in Real Estate, AM 1590, KBTA. I'm Tracy Baldwin. And I'm Karen Campbell. And we have Joylin from Counting Coral, and he has a fabulous nonprofit that is going to help try to save our planet. So tell us more about that. Well, that's a huge task. That oh is my a God, huge now task, the pressure's right? on, right? Save, yeah. <laughs> save the planet. Save uh, our planet. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so as we, sp- as we spoke about earlier, we're planting these, um, you know, sculptural nurseries, right? So when 
coral is under threat, we've got to get these rare species of coral, place them in a protected area, and then let them spawn and hopefully naturally propagate ecosystems. Uh, but when we put those sculptures into the environment, the minute they go into the water, we've now created stakeholders in the environment because as hotels... Dive operators, snorkeling companies, even so much as restaurants can now make money because people are now actively coming to these areas because they have a marketing opportunity to market to their customers, say, hey, come and stay in our hotel or dive with our dive company on this new attraction. Because divers have a very limited amount of dive experiences. They can be cave diving, drift diving, you know, wreck diving, shallow coral reef diving, uh, and that type of stuff. So this is now a new revenue stream for these guys to be able to um, make money from what we've done. Now, we're donating this to organizations that are doing coral reef restoration. So we're just assisting these guys to do their work and do their work really well. And that's the part from us that we donate these parks to these guys doing this work, and we assist them in the coral um, planting and stuff like that. And obviously, we monitor and study what's happening to the coral on those sculptures. And um, that create stakeholders and when you have stakeholders they take care of their environment because they understand there's now value to it and there's money coming in so that's what we're trying to do is duplicate this ultimately the big picture is to create marine protected areas if not national parks as a non-profit it's very tough raising money to do this work and an average installation is around fifty thousand dollars so for fifty thousand dollars we only get one eighth of an acre we want to do five six seven acres then we're planting thousands of people, pieces of coral, but then we're self-sustaining because we now um, essentially control these areas and boat operators and divers coming into that area now have to charge a fee like a national park. When you go to a national park, you have a, an entrance, you have to pay a fee and that's where we want to be at. We want to be the managers of these places where we end up earning revenue from the work that we've done, but then we've planted out thousands of pieces of coral we can take that revenue and put it into educational programs and then we have the coral to go and give to these communities to help them build their own reefs on their own to bring back that biomass of fish that they're losing at a huge rate so in order to keep these you know subsistent living communities from going hungry and going further out into the ocean to catch fish, we need to restore their reefs. And we can't do it by just saying, do this, do that. We have to demonstrate through practice and educate through experience and help those communities out. So it's a very, very tough thing, and it's a long road, and it's a very short window of time we've got to make that happen. So, so what can we do now? What can you do? Give me money now. Yeah, I <laughs> donate money. Yeah. I was just going to say, how can people help? So they can donate to your website. Yeah, so a lot of our time is made up of doing fundraising and going after funds, grant writing. I mean, we create so much content on our site to try and raise money. And money is the only thing that's getting in our way, realistically. So if we are funded, we get to do our work and we get to do it really well and we can become a self-sustaining non-profit over the next five years is our hope. So we don't have to go to the general public and ask. We can just be self-generating of those funds. So if anybody's listening and they want to participate, you can always go to our website, countingcoral.com, or any of our platforms, at Counting Coral, YouTube, Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, all these uh, different outlets to help out. That's awesome. So is there any federal money? I mean, this is a huge problem. It's not just in other places. It's here, too. And 
are we getting any support from any kind of federal, state, anything? Well, there is support. So when you look at like trickle up economics, we pay taxes and those taxes are supposed to then slowly trickle down to new bridges, roads, community projects and all this type of stuff. Just to put it in perspective, less than 1% goes into ocean conservation. Now, less than, I would say, 0.5% goes into coral reef restoration. So you are trickling down to the very low end of funding for any of this type of work. However, the U.S. is very wealthy, so there's universities, there's schools, there's institutes doing the good work. We're not doing it in the U.S. for that very reason. Once the U.S. gets into trouble and they realize it, you guys are a very wealthy country that can dump millions into saving coral reefs. We're choosing to go to less fortunate countries that cannot scale like the U.S. can in terms of millions and millions of dollars of investment to save their valuable assets. So we have to go outside the U.S. to do our work and make sure it's effective. Australia, tons of money, spending millions and millions on the Great Barrier Reef, study sites, new facilities to house coral. And then you got Kiribati, Solomon Islands, Fiji, Tahiti, Samoa, all these places, they don't have those monies to do that. So we have to do it grassroots up. Well, and what, what happens in our our country is is it has to be dire, it has to be like an emergency before we go. Oh, we should have been doing this for a lot of years, and now we're going to dump millions of dollars into it. And guess what? It may be too late. Uh, it is too late. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, and a lot of the scientific community around the world understand that coral reefs are going to go in huge numbers, but we just have to save small pockets. And like Fiji, for instance, or the Cook Islands, they just don't have the revenue to even save those small pockets. And that's where we're kind of challenging that with donating these sculptures because then there's a valuable asset to their community. So then there's stakeholders. Then they, the awareness is driven. Uh, we can't shout from the rooftops loud enough, but thousands of people diving on those sites, taking pictures, taking video, sharing it with their friends, sharing that uh, message that we give these dive operators to say, why is this here when that tourist comes up? What is it about? What are you guys doing? We share that message to those businesses to allow them to spread the message for us louder and brighter than we can in those communities. So, it's Fabulous work that you're doing. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on the show today, and it's just a pleasure to meet you. Um, we're so grateful for Dr. Tony in introducing us to you. And um, hopefully we can raise some funds for you and or connect you with people that can help your organization flourish. We appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. I really do uh, appreciate that time that you've taken to let us come on to the show. Absolutely. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about what's happening in Ventura County for the weekend. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is John Syatt, president of Century 21 in Everest, California. These are certainly uncertain times, and yet home is our refuge. It's our safe haven. Recognizing the importance of home ownership and the role that it plays in our community, Ventura County has deemed real estate sales as essential. Buying and selling homes can be a very stressful process. We understand that. As a result, we have over 400 professionals in our community, and we've been in our community serving you for over 30 years, serving you, our neighbors. If you have any questions about real estate or the market or you need assistance, in buying or selling a home, visit our website at century21everest.com. You can find a home there or you can find an agent to help you with all of your needs. As a community, as neighbors, and as friends, we are here to help you. We're going to get through this together, so be safe and be healthy. 
Worried about the impact of estate taxes, long-term health care, lawsuits, creditors, or probate on your assets and family? Interested in making sure your final wishes are followed? This is Rick Siegenfeld of Siege Law, and we are here to help you with all your asset protection, trust administration, estate and Medi-Cal planning needs. For a complimentary consult, give us a call at 805-250-1930 or email us at contact at seigelaw.com. Again, 805-250-1930. Hi, I'm Pat from Pothier Hypnotherapy, and I'm located right here in Ventura County. Just open a newspaper, watch TV, or even get on social media, and you can see all the negative things that affect our lives. In my practice, we focus on the positive. We want to assist you to be the very best that you can be, to live your best life ever. I offer a variety of services under my three main programs of diet-free life, weight management, smoking sensation, and overcoming trauma. See, we all have something that holds us back. I can be reached through my website, pathiahypnotherapy.com, or call myself, 818-468-0777. We all deserve happiness, peacefulness, and love in our lives. Call me. Again, that phone number, 818-468-0777. Welcome back, Ventura County. You are listening live to Girls on the Air. We are Real Women in Real Estate, AM 1590, KVTA. I'm Tracy Ball. And I'm Karen Campbell. Back to real estate, huh? Yes, I, have I didn't. Two, two, I have 225 Cinnamon Oak, a price improvement from 719 down to 699 Just last night, we reduced it, and um, we are really excited about that. Four-bedroom, three-bath, two-story, some upgrades, um, wood floors. It's just a beautiful home in East Ventura. It is in the moderate income. And that cap lifts in two years for selling. So that's really, really desirable. We will have it open tomorrow from 1 to 3, 225 Cinnamon Oak Avenue. Come see me. And I have a couple other new listings coming up. I have one up by Santa Paula Hospital. It is 860 Coronado. And it is a beautiful uh, four-bedroom, three-bath, two-story. It's got a huge um, area for cars. So it's got RV parking, or you can park four cars outside of the garage. (laughs) So it's got a huge driveway. A huge driveway, yeah. And um, it is been completely remodeled. It's got beautiful hardwood floors throughout. Um, it is got uh, artificial grass in the back, so you don't have Turf. to take care of that grass. Mm-hmm. And um, very private. It's got walking trails around the whole area. Uh, it's very close to Santa Paula Hospital. and um, Which is siren-free. Siren-free, that's right. They do not put the sirens on so that it bothers people at night or right. even during the day. Right. So, there is an HOA up there, but it's pretty small, right? Like yeah, it's for the playground and for the trails and different things that are part of the whole um, development. Yeah, it's like $26 a month. Yeah, it's like not that. much there. So how much is it? That's going to be seven seventy-five. Okay. And is it on the market? Uh, it will be on the market in 24 hours. Oh, good. Okay, <laughs> great. Um, they are making an offer on another house out of state, and we'll see if that actually happens. Where are they going? Uh, they're going to Indiana. Oh, my gosh, everyone. Yes, I sold them that house three years ago, and they absolutely thought that was their dream house, and they loved it, loved it. They never thought they'd be moving, and now they're moving to Indiana. So they're moving into a 4,900-square-foot house for 449000 Oh, my. Yes. And what what did they buy it for three years ago? Three years ago, I think they paid six oh five for it. Okay. So not too bad. Yeah. 
and now 775. Yeah. Okay. So not too bad. It's got a beautiful patio off the front of the, of the house. And the front of the house is very private because you go up a very long driveway mm-hmm. and then uh, go up to the garage. And so the, the patio in the front is very, very I private. I had the listing cr- right across the street. Remember? I remember, yes. That's right. That was awesome. And he went to Oregon. Yes. So I also have another listing coming up. It is a fixer. It is below the college. And it is a four-bedroom, two-bath, one-story. It's on a 10,050-square-foot lot. And that will be coming up here in the next week and a half. Uh, They are moving out of state as well. They already bought a home in Hawaii. And um, that's where they're going to retire. They've been dreaming about that ever since I've known them, which has wow. been about 20 years. So that's always super, super Now, what about awesome. Hunter? Tell us about Hunter. So Hunter is a beautiful one story. It is a four-bedroom, three-bathroom. It's um, 1,846 square feet. It has RV parking in two places. It is um, granite countertops. It's got a beautiful, nice kitchen. It's got a family room and a living room. Uh, the master is gorgeous. It has a $50,000 master bathroom in there. And just gorgeous double sinks, walk-in showers. Um, it's got a basketball court. It's got a little uh, little house uh, that their kid can play in. It literally is a little house. It's so cute. Where are they moving? Uh, they're moving out of state. I believe they're mis- moving to Michigan. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Everyone's leaving our little California, huh? Well, this is the first time in several, several years that the um, percentage of people moving out of California versus around California. Um, I just went to an economic forecast, and they basically said that this is the first time the numbers have been below what normal is. and They're um, below or higher to move out? To state. move out. Higher to move out. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people are. Yep. But it's still a great place to live. Um, There's still great, great deals to be had in Ventura County. And, um, you know, this market is going to stay this way for a while because our inventory is so low. It just is. There's not much much property on the market. Although there is a little bit more, it's still not enough. We're still very, very low on inventory. Do you so. have investors, too, looking for? I do have two investors. I have one investor that is looking for um, income property up to six units. Um, it's a corporation that is looking to bring employees to the area, and the employees can't afford uh, the housing here, so they are going to provide it, which is starting. I'm starting to see a lot of that. So that's What company is that? It's a company in Oxnard. What's it called? Do we know? So um, we'll see how that works out. I have several buyers, too. I have an all-cash buyer for River Park. I have buyers for the hillside. Just not a lot of stuff to show them. Yeah, when so I had a new buyer come to me in the 800 range, and I had two properties to show him yeah. that fit his criteria. Right. He was like, that's it? I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm going to be getting one that will fit his criteria. Okay, good. On the East End, I'll tell you about it next weekend. I'm going to get it on Monday, and it is going to be beautiful. Four-bedroom, three-bath, newer home, um, East Ventura. So that should be fun and fun to talk about. Yeah, exactly. So Hunter, just to say, 5599 Hunter in Ventura is going to be open tomorrow from 1 to 4. Are you hosting it? I am hosting it. So come by and see me. I'd love to show you that house. It is a pleasure to show. It is just gorgeous. It is listed at 1.125, and 
You need to get inside to appreciate it. It is just gorgeous inside. Because yeah, it seems kind of high for that area, but it so- sounds beautiful. But it beautiful. isn't. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on in Ventura? Well, um, it says Kara Miller, the Cave Wine and Cheese event is September 26th. Um, and, and that is at the cave. And that is, um, they are going to do wine and cheese and have uh, 26 different wines that they are going to serve. And Fritz, the cheese man, will be there. Oh, I want to go to that. He's amazing, right? right? So I'm talking about this now so that you have the opportunity to get a ticket. It will sell out. So one to four general admission, prepaid reservations only. Go to the cave event, Ventura, um, dot com. And there's over 25 tables, more than 160 wines, like Karen said. Absolutely. Well, I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. 